Football is back, and so is winning season at MyBookie. Use promo code GATERS on the deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly to your MyBookie account. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash gators. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by BetterHelp. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash gators and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Gators. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. Get together for a chat. Uh, Doing a little bit different this week. Um, Got some questions from Gators Breakdown Plus members. Um, If you sign up for the, what is it, the... All access, of course, and then the get involved. You know, during the season, I throw out the kind of Q and A for that section of uh, of membership, and I I got a few back. I got got a few questions back that um, they'd be probably be fun to bounce off of you guys too. Uh, I know this week with the game being versus McNeese, there's not a lot of excitement in the opponent, Um, so I'll, I'll I'll use this episode as everybody out there who's not Gators Breakdown Plus members can kind of see how we do this thing uh, right here on these Discord chats. Um, hopefully some more signups and members along the way. But all you who are hopped in here right now, thank you so much for already being members. Thank you so much for taking part in this chat. But uh, I wish we were getting together under better circumstances and was talking about a dub from last week. But that's uh, not where we're at right now. <laughs> Only one for the Gators after the 24-11 loss to Utah uh, and then the game versus McNeese this week. And, and I think uh, we, we talked about it in the Discord today. It's hard to move forward with an opponent like this. You know, it, we, when you have a loss like that, you kind of stew on that loss a little bit. Uh, when you have the cupcake opponent, you kind of just stew over the, 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 the previous game and, and the loss will finally probably turn the page on Saturday. Uh, when, when there's actual football being played, but I think we're going to hang on to this uh, loss, unfortunately, uh, there because that's really all we have to talk about anyway. Uh, so uh, I, I did get about uh, five questions or so uh, sent my way. Usually it takes a couple of days. I uh, kind of busy with the holiday and everything, but uh, I sent the email out this morning uh, for the questions. So I did get a few in uh, as far as. Uh, that goes, and I'll start here, and then you guys can jump in as well. With Justin Wood sending in, it's starting to feel like Groundhog Day. No matter what coach we get, what does Billy Napier have ah. to do this year on the field to earn him some credit with the fans and make it where they don't want to jump off a cliff after every game? <laughs> so, um, I think kind of go back to the the, the basics of it. The things we probably wanted to see in year two. Uh, and the things we didn't see in game one were the improvement in the special teams and the penalty department and the red zone department, uh, things we've already hit on um, ad nauseum for, for, for the last few days. But right now, after one game and an 0-1 start, that, that, that is where we're at. I mean, the, the credit Billy Napier is going to build right now, but he'd have a little more credit if Florida had just played good in loss. Uh, I, I don't think, uh, of course, we're not going to accept the loss uh, time and time again, but given 
you know, not many people expected Florida to go into Utah and win that game, but probably expected to play better than they actually did. So he'd have some credit if Florida had just played good and lost, but Florida didn't play good and still lost and, you know, still found them way, still found themselves in the fourth quarter with a chance. You know, there's some things broke the right way and Florida was finally getting some breaks that they weren't getting the whole game. Maybe still could have found a way to pull it out in, in the fourth quarter, but that game, you know, Utah was pretty in control uh, for that game. But I do think to earn some credit, you know, start looking like you know, start start looking like a team that's got everything together. And if you get beat, okay, the better team beat you, uh, and you move on. But right now, it's still uh, a lot of Florida beating Florida. So I do think, guys, I'll, I'll probably start there where, where Billy Napier can earn some credit is make it where Florida's not beating Florida. Uh, coach better, basically. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> hey, you said it a lot better than I did. I just spent like two or three yeah. minutes on it. <laughs> yeah. Do your job, Billy Napier. That's not to say he can or want or won't, but hasn't yet. I just would like to see us look competent. Right. You know, it just that uh, it, it has nothing to do with. Um, whether or not he's a good coach, I think he is a good coach because we saw what he did at Louisiana. He didn't forget how to coach. It's just that we were making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And if it wasn't like if we hadn't ended 2022 on a four-game losing streak and just made, and it was due to mistake after mistake, and then it continued again the following year after a summer of we're going to get this fixed, we're going to work on this. We're all about discipline and preparedness and then we show up and we're not disciplined or we're not prepared. That, that's the kind of stuff that if you want to win over the fans, follow through on your promises. And that falls under the coaching. I mean, that's that's the whole staff, not just Billy Napier. I mean, those small, minor discipline, disciplinary uh, issues, you know, the, 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 the off-the-field stuff all comes down to, you know, the coaches drilling it into the, to the players. I'm glad Bull brought up, look, he didn't just forget how to coach. I mean, that's true. I mean, you, you, you know, the winning at Louisiana, you know, that, that says a lot. That's why he got the job at Florida. Um, but, you know, now that th- things change at, at, at this level, and that kind of goes to, to some of the other questions I'll, I'll be getting into uh, here. But um, before we move on, is there anybody else who wants to hop in of, like, what Billy Napier can do if you are, you know, kind of – um, as Justin said, jump off a cliff after every game. And I don't th- most people aren't jumping off a cliff. I think j- they are voicing displeasure. Uh, and I think rightfully so. Uh, there are some cliff jumpers already. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's not. Uh, but you know what, uh, what, what can Billy Napier do to, to, to earn some equity, get some credit this season? I mean, I mean, um, I, 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 don't, I don't know, know about it, anybody else in this chat, but it's like I tell you, it's like when when the Gators win, you know it. You know, I tell you, the rest the rest of the week just goes better. It's like that, you know, the beer tastes a little better. You know, every every everything's just better. But as far as going going uh for for things to get better at, I just I, I, I feel like you know we just he just needs to simplify things. It's like he's making things. It seems like the first game. It's like he made things way too complicated. It's like if we got a third and one. You know, quarterback sneak it. It's like we don't have to you know run all this motion and all this other stuff. It's like let's. Quarterback sneak it, or, or uh, you know, do a quick quick run or something. We don't have to. We don't have to make it so complicated. There's a lot a lot of things I I didn't understand in that game. It's like I just was mind boggling because I watched the practices in the summer and 
they look sharp, but it's like I'm very confused about how they look so disorganized. I don't know if it's because of the hurricane that week and everybody was discombobulated or I, I really don't have, I don't know. I'm throwing my hands up. I really don't, I'm not, not really sure why, why it's, why it's like this. And it, it does seem like Groundhog Day. Harrison, I'm glad you brought that up. The hurricane, um, of course, Florida playing on the road. Utah's hard to beat there anyway. And I didn't take my own advice. How many times did I come on here and say, this is a young team. They could go there and the lights are on and there could be some things like that that we saw that happened. I didn't take my own advice. <laughs> I knew those things were a possibility. Uh, and even I looked over them. But here at the same time, kind of going to the conversation we're having here, I thought the team would be further along in those regards. I didn't think we'd see those issues. Can the travel, can playing on the road, can being a young team be an issue? Can it be an excuse? Absolutely. Should it be? That's a different question. And I don't think it, it was the, the excuse for, for Thursday night, not the full excuse. I mean, I mean, a couple of false starts, you know, on the road, first game. Yeah, I get it. You know, it's a loud, hostile environment. You know, it, I mean, I understand it. But some of the, the special team mistakes, and, and like uh, the guy just said earlier, when it's third and one, I mean, you don't need to be shifting and running a motion and, and doing a play that takes, you know, 12 seconds to develop. Just hand the ball off and go get the one yard. I mean, there were there were there were mistakes in that game that you can't just chalk up to a young team. But yeah, I, I, I'm fully on board with what you're saying, Dave. They are a young team. We we, including myself, probably got a little bit too bought into the to the hype of no cam risings, you know, and all the preseason buzz that that we heard coming out of camp. You know, the confidence that 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 the players and Napier were showing. I mean, we we. It's just a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's frustrating. Believe me, I hear it. it was, yeah. I, yeah, I hear it. I hear it in your voices, and uh, yeah. I, I completely agree. You know, and as the other person, you know, just said, I'm sorry, I was on the other page, so I couldn't uh, remember. But you're right, man. I mean, there's there's hardly anything better than waking up on a Sunday morning after a Florida win and drinking a cup of coffee. Because you're right, you're right. That's like the best tasting coffee ever. <laughs> after after we get a win, and yeah, it does put a damper. On you know the conversations we're having this week, and you know just kind of the the motions we go through as a as fans that follow this in the first game of the season, and we already have this you know stick you know the, the, this right here in the gut feeling of you know it's just not where we want it right now. And I think can't it, it's the, oh, go ahead. can't even can't even appreciate a former Gator tennis player during well the US Open. <laughs> Everybody, if you're not Gators Breakdown, if you're not Gators Breakdown Plus members, that will be an inside joke there for Bull Gator in the uh, in, in, in the tennis there. So that was that's, that's pretty good, Bull. Pretty good. Uh, all right, let's keep it going with the questions. And I, I kind of like this. I like doing the Q and A with you guys too. Get you know, I know people want my thoughts on it too, but I, I like hearing from you guys. That's kind of what Gators Breakdown. The, the general podcast was built on was all the fan interaction and, and, and all that. Gators Breakdown Plus has even enhanced that. And uh, I, I like this. I like this right here. So, uh, Sean Muncie, I hope I'm saying that right, Sean, your last name. Uh, what chance is there that Billy actually creates the changes the team needs to see on the field in terms of penalties, discipline, overall sloppy play? I know a lot has been said about him needing to fix these, but how likely is it that these things will change and we will see it against McNeese? That being said, this is my first home game as a student, so I'm excited no matter how we play. Thanks and go Gators. 
Well, that last part is the most important part. John, uh, go, go have fun. Uh, if you, your first game as a student, absolutely go remember it. Uh, this will be the time of your life that you will absolutely enjoy. Um, and hopefully Florida puts on a performance for you for Saturday that you can enjoy. But hey, that's part of being a fan uh, is going out there and being able to, you know, see your Gators play. Uh, but basically everything you said there, the penalties, the discipline, the overall sloppy play, I, I think a lot of it's going to take care of itself. Um, being at home Saturday, playing a team like McNeese. I mean, Florida's going to look like a really good team Saturday. Uh, and they may need that. They may need the confidence boost. They may need the, you know, more oil on the engine just to, just to make it go, uh, get some, get, get some confidence, you know, figure some things out along the way. If we do see the penalties and the discipline and the sloppy play, I mean, then, then a, a big cause for concern given this opponent. I mean, I know I joked on on the Discord the, the other day. We, I think we all could go out there, tell this team to go run their five favorite plays, and they should win by 50 points. Now, don't get me wrong. I know football is not that easy, but that tells you what, what uh, the mindset should be, at least from the fan base, going into that game now you, you hope the players and the staff and you hope they have a nasty taste in their mouth from last week and you know they they go want to go out there and prove everybody wrong and all the good stuff that we were hearing preseason maybe last week was a mirage maybe it was a bump in the road and we see everything um that we wanted to see everything that we were hearing coming into to the season it's back there on saturday but i, I do think just naturally being at home, playing a cupcake opponent, it's going to take care of itself on Saturday. We hope. <laughs> we do. <laughs> true, true. Dave. Oh, that's going to be bad if it doesn't. Dave, do you know who Tarleton State is? I could not tell you. Uh, I know that is McNeese's opponent last week uh, that absolutely destroyed McNeese. And that <laughs> that, 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 that is saying a lot where you destroy a team uh, and I don't even know who you are. Uh, so you know, not only that, they destroyed them at McNeese State. So, who was it again? Carleton State, Carleton yeah. out of Texas. I've never heard of okay. Them. Yeah, I was is about that, to look uh, up Carleton State University right? in Stephenville, Texas. <laughs> Here's the anyway, fun fact about them, Dave. Is yeah, that uh, that was one of TCU's big out of conference wins last year. <laughs> <laughs> So, at 52 to 34. 52 to 34. On the road, yeah. Tarleton State beat McNeese. Yeah. So, we better be north of 50 in this game. Oh, you have to be. Yeah. 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 100%. And Tarleton State, um, last year, um, yeah, lost 59 to 17 to TCU. Um, going through it, I mean... You know, lost forty-one to twenty-four to Stephen F. Austin. You've probably heard of that. We've probably heard of them. Lost forty to twenty-one to Sam Houston. Uh, so I we, just stopped. Dave. Yeah, yeah. Making it yeah. Worse. I know. So, so we translate that to what they just did to McNeese, <laughs> and that lets you yeah. know the quality of opponent Florida is facing on Saturday. So, look, this game is it's about Florida. It's Florida versus Florida out there, not Florida versus McNeese. And uh, we, we'll see. We'll see where this team is. But like, I think even if the team played sloppy, I don't even know if you'd know or not. That's probably how bad McNeese is. So uh, it's good. You know, they'll get the taste out of their mouth. They'll get to go hit somebody else. Hopefully take some frustrations out. Uh, but uh, yeah, you, I, you, the only way you're going to learn anything about this game is if you learn something bad where it is sloppy play, where the penalties are still happening. Uh, you know, I'll have a preview up 
um, probably tomorrow of things I want to see. So I won't fully give it away here. Uh, but you know, there are, there, there are things that I know we'll be looking at probably position by position, uh, situation by situation that we want to see from this team on Saturday. And that doesn't matter who they play. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm just confused about, about why, why we're, he's having such a problem getting these guys, you know, to, you know, be, be, uh, you know, coach better because it's like his, his Louisiana teams, I know it's at a different level. They're always well coached. And even at the beginning of last year, we were hardly getting any penalties. And so maybe it was just first game jitters is what we chalk it up to. But, um, I, I really hope to see a really sharp game, you know, that coming into this Saturday, I hope everything's sharp. It's like, if, and if, uh, anything, it's like, if we need to put Ricky Pearsall back there to catch punts to avoid making mistakes, like let's do it. Let's 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 get this special teams figured out. Well, I mean, special teams specifically, I can tell you the big difference. He had the best special teams coach in America, Louisiana, and uh, he went off to Tulane. Didn't come here. Hey, that's where we'll go next. Alvaro, uh, Alvaro Ordonez. I hope I'm saying that right, Alvaro. Uh, but that is on special teams. So let's continue that. I hope, I'll let you guys get right back in here. Uh, but when does Napier realize that his game changer approach isn't working? Uh, when will he realize that special teams is the third facet of football, that it's just as important as the offense and defense? Imagine if he placed an emphasis on special teams where we can improve our field position, make chip shot field goals. He hasn't placed any emphasis on field goal kicking, much less recruiting for a good kicker. Seems like he's in his first year head coaching. He was completely outcoached against Utah. When will he start to adapt and admit that at some point his process needs to show improvement and progress? Sincerely, a disappointed and disgusted Gator fan. Woo. Hey, yeah, well, he, he's not, ahead, he's not lying. No, I mean, I mean, uh, I, I don't really know the guy's story of why he didn't come come to Florida, but uh, Tulane must be paying him pretty well. But it's like Billy Gonzalez, I heard this mentioned on another show, but I mean, he, he should know some of Urban's, you know, ways of how to run special teams. I mean, I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't know how everybody else feels, but it's like, couldn't he? Couldn't he do double duty and help out with special teams and maybe do some good over there? So the Correct quick me if version, I'm wrong. Yeah, the quick version of that. What's? Go ahead, Ocho. Oh, I was just going to say the quick version is he actually. So he left Tulane. Bielema hired him to go to Illinois, mm-hmm. and then a week later, Eagler quit. So the timing was like unfortunate because uh, he, he he could also be a tight end coach. Oof. So he could have taken Beagler's spot in theory. Was he an on-field coach at Louisiana? Yeah, he was a okay. he was an off-the-field coach at Georgia under Kirby. Then he went to Louisiana. He I think he won special teams coach of the year or, or some one of those fake uh, awards. And then he jumped over to Tulane. Okay, so and so we're still not using an on-field coach for special teams. We're we're Using off-field assistance for that for that, for that coaching, correct? Yep. According to uh, his comment, I think in one of the news conferences since the last game, he's saying it's a combined effort where different coaches handle yeah. you know, different parts of the uh, special teams during the game. Which it seems to me that that isn't working. On a side, yeah, note, there needs to be a coordinator. Hey guys, you- go ahead. The uh, defensive coordinator of the Seattle Sea Dragons is Ron Zook. I think he might be available. <laughs> I'm good with that. 
guys, we uh, I haven't even looked at it yet. Y'all want to go through a y'all want to go through a depth chart together? Yeah, I like what I see right up at the top. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, let me. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen it. Yeah, it ju- it just got released, so let me put the tweet out right quick as I'm doing this. I, I got to multitask a little bit, uh, but uh, there is a pretty good little headline at the top of one. Eugene Wilson, Eugene Wilson all right. starting at wide receiver there for your Florida Gators. So uh, pretty interesting there right away. I know a lot of people will be happy about that. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and he's earned it. That That's the thing. And we do know Billy Napier values the, uh, I think, where he maybe plus, places some freshmen on the uh, depth chart. I know now Castell did not start last week after we saw him on the depth chart. <laughs> the chart. So, uh, but most of the time, you know, I think you can take a little bit of something away from it. Uh, but let me pull up the phone here. Let's get the uh, wide receiver is Eugene Wilson, backed up by Aiden Mizell and other uh, uh, other receivers. Caleb Douglas uh, starting, Ricky Pearsall starting. You know, along the offensive line, we have Austin Barber left tackle, Richie Leonard left guard, Jake Slaughter is the starter here at center. Probably will still be that this week. No, I mean, you'd like to have the continuity on the offensive line, but I don't think Kingsley's quite ready yet, so you don't even want to risk that right now. Uh, right guard, Micah Mazuka, right tackle, Damian George, tight end Hayden Hansen listed as the starter with Dante Sanders behind him. So there you go. Uh, and the other spot, Jonathan Odom. And Arliss Boardingham are your top two tight ends at the other tight end spot. Quarterback Graham Mertz, and then running back, of course, Johnson, ETN, Webb. Um, so there's your offense. Uh, a little bit of a change at tight end, I believe, if I remember the first depth chart right from last week. And, of course, uh, Eugene Wilson. Uh, going to defense, we got Tyreek Sapp at the F. We have Cam Jackson, Des Watson at nose tackle, Caleb Banks at end, or Chris McClellan there. So a nice little or there for Banks and McClellan. Uh, at Jack Princely, linebacker Scooby and Shamar, Sam Scooby, star Jaden Hill, cornerback Jason Marshall, safety Miguel Mitchell, safety Jordan Castell, and other cornerback Jalen Kimber uh, listed, or Devin Moore at, at corner. So uh, one of the safeties are a lot of ors. You got Miguel Mitchell or Kamari Wilson or Bryce Thornton, and you got Jordan Castell or RJ Moten or Bryce Thornton. So um, don't know if that has anything to do with the opponent. Uh, but a lot of oars on defense, uh, of, of course, too. So it happens at linebacker there with Scooby or Taraja or Derek Wingo at one of the linebacker spots. So, um, But there you go. There's your look, and we go to specialists. Let's go kickoff return. Steel Trevor, ETN, Jason Marshall, Montreal Johnson, Eugene Wilson. Punt return is Ricky Pearsall or Eugene Wilson. Um, and then kickoff, Trey Smack, place kicker, still Adam Mahalik. Uh, punter, Jeremy Crawshaw. There's your special teams. Uh, questionable on the injury report. Kingsley Aguacan, Jack Miller, Ty Bowman, Tony Livingston as, is questionable. Jamarcus Weston is out with an upper body injury. Uh, Devin Moore is questionable with an undisclosed illness. There's your depth chart versus McNeese. Going Burke and Cleo Jackson is questionable. Oh, is that, did I miss that? Oh, yep, I did. I didn't click on it. Yep, Marcus Burke, Khalil Jackson as well. There you go. I had to click on it for it to to load the bottom two little lines there. Yeah, add Marcus Burke and, and Khalil Jackson as well. Uh, makes me wonder, opponent again, you know, if this was Tennessee with the questionables, that many questionables be on there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven questionables and one out. 
Uh, would you Marcus Weston? I imagine Jackson and Burke would probably be available or Tennessee, especially when you're looking at the depth chart and you've got uh, number 30, Taylor Spierta as your third, third, third string receiver. <laughs> yeah, those guys, Marcus Burke is still listed on the depth chart. Um, yeah. But Khalil Jackson is not after being listed as a starter last week. But he's not even on the depth chart at any spot. So maybe that's a hint that he might be out. I don't know. There we go. They oh, do you know why Mazuka's at right guard and Leonard's at left? Um, the way that was explained to me was they thought that gave the best run blocking on the right side. That's how gotcha. Yep. That's how I took that uh last week. Uh, that's what I heard last week. Yeah, I seen I seen where Lindo Hudson was being was, yeah. was available in the game. You, you guys you guys think he'll get a lot of playing time this game? Let's see. I didn't go through all the names on the depth chart, but there he is behind Damian George at right tackle. He is on the depth chart as well. And him not being in the injury report at all. So that probably tells me, yeah, I think we'll see him. I mean, they pretty much said he'll be available this week as well. I mean, he came out and said it, so. Um, all right, you guys ready to – anything about the depth chart before we move on to some other questions or any thoughts you guys have the the uh, past questions so far? I guess, we were talking, yeah, I guess we were talking special teams before the depth chart, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah if we, we kick a field goal, we'll – did the uh, kicker actually make it if it's like 30 yards out? <laughs> Let me see. Look, that's one of those things, Dave. And we joke about it, but that's one of those things. That's, I mean, look, hopefully Florida's not kicking a lot of field goals on Saturday and they're scoring a lot of touchdowns. Uh, but at some point, you may get a field goal or something there. Make the dang things. <laughs> most of the time, uh, like Michael, most of the time, field goals, it doesn't matter who you're playing. I mean, you know, you, you got some teams out there that are, you know, that are known for blocking field goals more so than others. But you know, most of the time, field goal is pretty much just on the kicker or the holder, and, and that's pretty much it, no matter who you're playing. Is, is Trace Mack just that bad that they can't play him? Or uh, I guess so. I mean, honestly, and probably my own fault, I'll be, I will fully admit it, I don't ask a lot about special teams. Maybe I should start asking a lot about special teams. <laughs> <laughs> but with the way that with the way they're going so far, uh, but um, that would can, can you lend can you ask Napier um, about obviously about the kicking, but his sense of urgency to even recruit a kicker in one of his classes because he hasn't. I mean he he has Trace Mack in his transition class, but he has not tried to recruit a kicker in like the last two cycles. Yeah, after last year, I would have been hitting the portal for a kicker. Now maybe he thought he had the answer, and maybe it just kicked him in the face again. Uh, that Florida doesn't have a consistent field goal kicker. Uh, but after what I saw last year, I would not have been opposed to uh, bringing one in. Maybe they didn't send in tape. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we don't All have right, to do right, what right. done. What was that about Michael? Ho- 
hopefully we don't have to do what McElwain done and have a, uh, an open trial. No. We got to have a dentist, you know, kick, kicking our kicks and and have have McElwain saying that we've got to get a guy that can't kick, kick you know, he's got to kick over somebody's armpits. Uh, keeping on special teams and going back to Alvaro's point here, and he did bring up one that, you know, I, I talked a little bit about in the preseason of my maybe why you want to have ETN and, and you know somebody like him on on kickoff return, and that's to help your field position. Um, but I think a lot of the time we're we're mainly right now talking about field position at the punts. I mean, the the fielding inside the ten yard line and giving your offense, you know, an offense that. They're not going to drive too many times 90 yards. They're going to need all the help they can get, especially if the run game is not going to be where we you know, thought it could be at, at some point. Um, yeah, special teams are going to be even more important. Field position is going to be even more important uh, right there. I mean, we talk about complementary football all the time, and we saw it on display uh, there in, in, in Thursday night against Utah when you know Wilson and, and the unfortunate punt situation, you know, he fielded it deep into the end zone and that leaves it where um, or deep near the end zone that leaves it where Mertz is throwing a pass three plays later and gets tipped in the interception and Utah's in great field position. Um, you know, that doesn't happen uh, in, in, unless the unfortunate special teams play took place. So, um, you know, it's more just about field goal kicking and, 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 you know, as much as we talk about that, I think we're learning, you know, Florida and the way they've, Field punts right now is really hurting this team and hurting this offense. And we also ran a kickoff back uh, out of the end zone and only got to the fifteen. So yep. the return game overall wasn't wasn't really spectacular. Hasn't been um, last year either. I mean, there's no. really nothing good, good about special teams in the past season in one game. Right. Maybe we'll learn more as the season goes on about this offense, and maybe they pick it up and get better. But at the time, you know, they're going to need every break they can get as well. And I think that starts with with, with some of these special teams played. Well, Jalen Kimber weighs one eighty five this week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see any of the uh, Excel um, markers in there either. Uh, Joseph, well, also, go ahead. Yeah, Joseph Pisani sent in, and this is kind of going back to the same thing. Uh, do you think Napier will ultimately give up play calling duties and address the special team issues, or will he ultimately prove too stubborn to change? The press conference didn't give me a lot of hope. Um, the press conference didn't give me a lot of hope for special teams. I can tell you that. It does seem like he is really a firm believer in how they are addressing special teams and splitting it up and just having a game-changer coordinator, but splitting all the duties up during game day and – uh, I can't say I'm too big of a fan of that, the way it's turned out so far. Um, now, as far as giving up play calling duties, I, do, I, I don't think he's that stubborn. I know he keeps saying that if this gives him the best pulse of his team. He can keep his, you know, keeps him engaged the way he wants to be engaged with his team by being the offensive coordinator, the play caller. Uh, but I just think there's so many more aspects that he really – you really, I, I, anyway, it, it took me around to come around on this. The first, I, I want to see how you do it first. Uh, I know there were people from the get-go who did not like this, and a lot of that's based on you just don't see a lot of successful head coaches calling plays going on to win titles, uh, and, and that's what we want the goal to be at Florida. You just don't see it a whole lot anymore, 
the head coach being the offensive coordinator, play caller, and going on to win national championships. It, it's been forever, uh, it says, and there's no consistency with it either at the same time. Uh, and now, you know, the CEO role uh, kind of being, you know, the, the, the route and way to go there. Um, so I, I, I don't think he'll be as stubborn. He, he won't lose the Florida job because he's not hiring an offensive coordinator. Now, it could be said and maybe he waits too late to do it, and that just kind of does him in. Uh, a, a little bit, but look, I, I'm all for trying it your way. Um, but you got to be able to know when to change, know when to adapt. That's that that's that's the secret to coaching is being proactive, not so reactive. When things change, get out in front of it. I think that's kind of been maybe where Florida has fallen behind under Billy Napier a little bit. Uh, have gotten better in some regards, uh, especially in a lot of the off the field issues there at Florida. That's kind of been remedied so far. Uh, but now, you know, this play calling part of it, um, I don't know if he'll do anything this season. If he's going to make a move, it'll be after the season. But I don't think uh, he'd be willing to lose the Florida job, let losses pile up because he doesn't want to give up play calling. So how do you think it will work? Um, will he – I'm just, for instance, I know there's there's talk of Callaway being a, a hot and upcoming coach. Is he somebody that could take over play calling duties to hire within, or is it going to be he'll have to? Uh, I know it's been brought up, Sale maybe going to the NFL anyway, or at least there's talk. Um, the two OL coaches, you know, you'll have to maybe go to one and hire an outside play caller or offensive coordinator. Um, how do you see it playing out? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, if it is from within, I think it's Callaway. I think he's the only one you could even make the argument for. Um, I'd still be a little worried gotcha. um, if that happens. Um, I, I think you've got to get it right, <laughs> and that, that would be a big risk. And I'm not saying Callaway can't get it, but is it worth the risk? I mean, he's had great OC numbers there at Sanford. Um, that got him noticed. I know he's on the rise as a he, he's he's loved in the South. Uh, he's got a really good reputation in the South, uh, in, in this in this region of well, you know what Florida's recruiting and and all the relationships there. Uh, Callaway's really highly thought of. I wouldn't totally hate it, but man, I don't know if it'd be my first choice. I mean, if, if I'm Billy Napier, I got to do my due diligence and I got to see who's interested. I got to see all my options on the table. If you're turned down and that's where you just have to go, then that's just where you have to go. Or if you get interviews and you interview this guy, that guy, and you still determine Callaway's the guy, then you better be right. But I don't think it can be a simple, open, and closed case that. It's Callaway and nobody else. I think you really got to do your due diligence here. Who who would be your uh, guy, Dave? If uh, we go in the off season looking for one, who would who would be your top guy? You know, hypothetically, it'd be your top guy. You know, for us to go after as offensive coordinator. I'm not even that far yet, uh, to be honest. Uh, I, I I I I'd hate to go that route now. Um, Just get Heartline, man. Get Jeremiah Smith, <laughs> all those guys. Be good. <laughs> There would be some excitement there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Better pull a Joe Brady out of whatever rock he's hiding under. Man, even that Brady would John. even that would worry me. I know I, I love what he did at LSU. Don't get me wrong, but everything I've heard about him, he does not necessarily want to be around the college game. Um, now could you pay him a whole lot and bring him in? Maybe, but at that point, is he really in it? 
is he really the guy? Yeah, I would, I would rather have somebody that wants to be a college guy just because they know how, you know, they know what it takes to recruit and how many hours you got to put into that. A lot of these guys that want to go to the NFL don't want to do all that, you know. I say go get Garrett Riley and let him run his offense rather than the Clemson offense. I knew that. Hey, he's got to be lucky. Hey, I knew that name was going to come up. I mean, if you would have asked me a week ago, I probably would have went that route. But, uh, no, nah, yeah, we don't want to overreact to one game and how much of it was, you know, maybe Dabo handcuffing him a little bit. Uh, I think if he is successful where you'd still want him, more than likely his next stop is a head coach. I don't see him making the jump from Clemson to Florida. He's making the jump from Clemson to head coach. Dave, what happened to Jeff Scott? I heard Billy met with him in the offseason, um, and then I guess he went back to Clemson. Um, do you know what happened with that? He just really wanted to be at Clemson. Uh, and you know he's, he had the he had the split duties there at Clemson. So how much of it you know is he the actual play caller, and how much is on his plate to be the play caller? I, I think would be my question as well with with, with him. Uh, but he really wanted to get back with Dabo. Hey, Brian Johnson, a buttload of money to leave the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> He's another one where I think his next stop is head coach. Any other names out there you guys can? Sarkeesian. Oh. oh. <laughs> Ocho going with start getting fired and he's got to come to Florida to 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 infl- to, to ignite that career again. It's right. Charlie Wise, man. Charlie Wise. <laughs> I think Steve Spurrier's unemployed. <laughs> I like where Ocho's thinking, though, man. If that if if Texas falls on their face somehow, I don't I don't know what the buyout is and and the situation there. But you can't don't think they can be too happy with the way they're recruiting. They're recruiting at a high level now, and if this just doesn't work out this year, if they pull the trigger on Sark, man, hopefully they go six and six. That's what I'm hoping or worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that in a heartbeat. <laughs> that's one thing he's really good at. It's calling plays. That I heard Facebook wants to Debo as OC. Oh, man. good lord! <laughs> oh god, here we go again. Jesus Christ! Oh, Sark has a lot of good bars. <laughs> <laughs> what What about the, the the Duke offensive coordinator? Anybody ever thought thought of what about him? What do you guys think of him? We've been down that road. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 know, I was waiting on it. I was waiting on it. I was waiting for the Roper name to come up. <laughs> Dave, how would you describe at this point Billy's offensive scheme? I mean, is it, you know, obviously it's going to be different under Merce than it was Richardson, but I mean, even Soderquist was joking around the other day. I swear it, it reminded me almost of, of McElwain. I mean, how would you describe it? I mean, there's similarities. I mean, they, you know, those guys coached together. They were, um, you know, at Alabama. I think Napier probably learned a lot from, uh, from, from McElwain there. I mean, I, I do want to see more of it. Um, you know, we got our first glimpse of uh, Billy Napier offense without the dual threat quarterback. You know, it's been a while. You had Levi Lewis at Louisiana, you had Anthony Richardson last year. Um, you're not going to have the quarterback that can bail you out of a lot of plays now. So 
Uh, I think the play calling is going to have to be a little more crisp. As, you know, you're going to have to really help the quarterback out with the with, with the play calls. Um, and I think it comes back a lot to, and he'll say it too. You know, the execution. There were there were a lot of times you know, the offensive line just looked lost. Uh, I think the, the shovel pass comes into play there, where where guys are, um, you know, kind of getting on top of themselves a little bit. I I am. I, I would probably adapt a little bit to calm down a little of the routes that take so long to develop uh, with this offensive line right now. I don't know if they're going to be able to hold up long enough. You're really going to have to pick your spots and pick your pick your poison of when you want to open up this offense. Uh, I'm more of a fan. If you're going to pass a little more, spread it out, uh, and you use the quick passing game a bit more. I don't know if the offense is at the point right now with this offensive line to run the you know, the play action down the field shots because of just where the offensive line is right now. NFL starts this week, and I got I know you guys are itching, 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 itching to get that betting started. So as a better, you demand perfection. And my bookie delivers NFL, college football, and a brand new cash out system gives you best options to bet and win all season long. For two legs of your parlay hit, well then cash out early, use the funds on another bet, or let it ride for a chance at a bigger payday. Join the MyBookie family for an entire season filled with odds boost, free bets, and super contest. This season has MyBookie a no-strings-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. Use promo code GATERS on a deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly to your MyBookie account. Bet your deposit amount once, and you're ready to cash out at any time. Again, that's promo code GATERS to claim your cash deposit bonus. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie. Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. With 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, AG1 is formulated to support whole body health, raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. It replaces your multivitamin, your probiotic, and more in one Simple, daily, drinkable habit. I start my day with AG1 now, and after pairing it with exercise and diet, I'm ready to tackle these busy days of covering the Gators football season, and all my focus is at peak performance. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1. Get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Gators. That's drink. AG1.com slash Gators. Go check out AG1. And Gators Breakdown is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you find that you just, you know, as you're trying to fall asleep, your brain suddenly won't stop talking? Do your thoughts start racing right before bed or at other inopportune moments? Well, it turns out one great way to make those thoughts go away is talk them through. Therapy gives you a place to do that so you can get out of your negative thought cycles and Find some mental and emotional peace. Therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself, something most of us are trying to achieve. I've seen it help friends and family, and now there's an easy way to get help. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Gators today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Gators. 
Yeah, they're going to they're gonna have to, like, if he wants to run the ball, I mean, he tried way too many times up the middle and it wouldn't work. And he's going to have to have more design kind of run plays if his offensive line is struggling again. Yeah, uh, Seth, Seth did a good job in the in the film breakdown of, you know, Florida, most of their success, they didn't run the ball a whole lot, but when they did and then when they found their success was, you know, more gap running. So maybe um, maybe that's a strength of the, this offensive line uh, and, and more of that form uh, of running and, and, and offensive line blocking. But I guess we, you know, there it's one game, uh, but through, through one, you know, we know they got some things to work on and, and to be that um, – power run team identity that that Billy Napier wants. Yeah, no more running on third and ten. <laughs> Usually when you do that, I know you're trying to set up uh, – and I forget the game situation there. Uh, you, you know, you're trying to set up a fourth and manageable, but, yeah. I mean, I think if you got belief in your quarterback, you're, you got you got to throw on third and ten. And, and you're maybe trying to catch the defense off guard a little bit. Maybe that's something else with this offense. Maybe a little, Maybe a little too much deception. Uh, at times, and not just, I think you guys, it, going back to one of your earlier points there on the short yardage situations, you're overthinking it and stuff. You know, just get up there and run the ball. Uh, you know, quarterback sneak it a little bit. I do think there's a little too much deception at times, uh, and, and not just now. Look, maybe they don't have the personnel uh, to go out there and, and and do the things we want them to do. Maybe the deception is part of making up for the personnel uh, Florida has out there. Maybe uh, you can as you get more reps with these freshmen and maybe you figure out the things you can do. We don't have to use so much of the deception. You can go out there and use your playmakers. Uh, but I don't know. I, maybe Billy Napier's still trying to identify that part of, uh, of his personnel. That's the most frustrating part when you say it's personnel. I mean, I, I, I get it. It's only his second year, but he's had two transfer portals. I mean, he's had a full recruiting two two full recruiting classes, and he's got two offensive line coaches. We should not be this thin at offensive line. I mean, if you were to take Torrance off our line last year, I don't think our offensive line was all that great last year. Um, we saw it. Yeah. And then you watch – yeah. I mean, you take him out. I mean, go look at look at our last two games that we played, our bowl game and then the Utah game. Not the offensive that. line was abysmal. Not only I that, mean, um, I mean, what was it, the LSU game? Yeah, yeah, well. you're right. Yeah, he, he, um, he wasn't in. He didn't right. play. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what? Uh, I'm kind of just throwing my hands up. I mean, that's that seems to be the the, the biggest issue with, that I have personally right now is I see we've dedicated so many resources to that position. Um, you see other schools, other teams, TCU with the national championship game by rebuilding the roster. You see what FSU has done with the transfer portal. I mean, you see other teams using it to to fix issues, we have two coaches dedicated to that position, and we it is by far what I saw is our weakest spot on the on the on the on the field. And granted, it is just one game, but I'm also looking back at that 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 that, that bowl game and how we looked. I mean, it's yeah, well, I mean, it's not good. <laughs> you go back to that LSU game last year. You know the bowl game. I, I get it. If you don't want to put much stock in it, I don't blame you. Uh, but you go to the LSU game. No Osiris Torrance, Montreal Johnson, thirteen carries, fifty-seven yards. He had the one big run versus. I mean, he had a thirty-nine yard run. He ran for fifty-seven for the game. ETN in that game, yeah. eight carries, twenty-eight yards. It was three and a half. I mean, it was a pedestrian kind of for for ETN as well. Uh, against LSU, and that was a game without Osiris Torrance. So we know how much he meant to the run game uh, there, and also how much Anthony Richardson meant to the run game. 
Does anybody there know where this duo line coach theory came from? I mean, can anybody name another program or two where they have two line coaches and it works well? I can't. Uh, I was the one who asked him the question at his opening press conference of how he was going to um, his plan of attack for offense and if he was going to be the play caller or if he was going to have an offense coordinator. And he answered me, you know, I'm going to be calling the plays. We're going to have two offensive line coaches. If you have two secondary coaches, if you have one for safeties and if you have one for corners, why don't you have one for your interior offensive lineman and your and your tackles? Uh, and that's the way he uh, approaches it. And I can't say I know anybody else who does it that way. It's pretty ironic considering that he got rid of the uh, safeties coach. <laughs> yeah, he did. yeah, he did. you're right. Good point. You're Good right. Point. You're right. I mean, he, technically, that's that's the whole back, the whole uh, backfield is now uh, Corey Raymond's. So, I mean, I'm sure Austin Armstrong works for the safeties too. At least we we saw him kind of do that when when he first got there in the clips and everything. But yeah, it makes no sense now. I mean, you can't say you got two coaches for the secondary um, and use that as your reasoning for having two coaches on the offensive line, especially when your offensive line is bad as it's been. I great. Mean, it's a great point. One thing, uh, I was just wanted to bring up an article I read this week, and I forget where, but they were talking about our favorite coach, Mike Norvell, and how he made FSU better, and they showed his use of the transfer portal. And he didn't go to Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, et cetera, to get players like Florida has. He went to Michigan State and Iowa. And some of the not, in other words, he got the best players from mediocre teams as opposed to guys from the best teams who couldn't see the field. So it, what they really upped as opposed to just going for, you know, somebody who, uh, you know, may say, oh, well, he, look how many stars he had when he was in high school. I mean, I think Napier did that to a point, right? I mean, with the guys from Louisiana, Torrance and Johnson. Now, granted, you have. I'm just yeah, like, yeah, look yeah. at the guy from from George, from uh, uh, from Alabama. I mean, he couldn't he couldn't see the field. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, you know, Damian George for Florida. He went mm-hmm. to he went to Alabama, but it didn't. You know, it's it's not the not the same. You know, Ricky Pearsall comes from Arizona State. He's your number one and, and best receiver right now. Um, the guys from Louisiana last year. Uh, we'll see what the transfers from you know this year. Somebody like Cam Jackson from Memphis. You know, hopefully he can come come along and be one of the the better defensive linemen uh, there for there for Florida. So um, hopefully Graham Mertz uh, from Wisconsin turns out to be a better quarterback uh, than than we believe as well. So yeah, I think with you know it was a heavy. I think we wanted to see a little bit more, but as far as numbers go, uh, there's enough. I think in this portal class as well for us to get a good sense of, you know, where, where the guys are coming from and how that translates to success. I think just, like the, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, it seems like the, the, the ones that they did get in, like their, their biggest, um, what they look at for offensive linemen is size. I mean, that, that seems to be yeah. the, I you know they're, 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 they want big guys, but that necessarily mean athletic guys. I mean, uh, you got to have a kind of a mixture of both. I, and I'm not really sure where the disconnect is. Like I said, two offensive line coaches, you should have better better play on the field than what we've seen, you know, in the, in the small sample we have. But like I said, also going back to last year, when you take out, you know, the, the Torrance, then it, we we really weren't all that that good. So it's just, I guess, that's the best, like I said it before, this is the most frustrating thing to me about this team and about Billy Napier in general. Is his 
the, this this whole offensive line thing. Hold on, we have two people talking over each other there, so. But shout out to Bill Sykes. The O-line is a decade-long problem. That's yeah. going to take a really long time to fix. With the portal, though, should it? It's just like that for us. Did anybody else see Najee Harris's rating? I think he was rated number one in terms of performance from our game against Utah. And I was really surprised. Austin Barber, I think, was rated sixth out of our offensive linemen for performance. Yeah, he did not have the uh, the best game you would expect him to have. Yeah, I, How I often was Najee Harris on the field? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just wondering how often Najee Herrick was on the field. I don't think he was a starter. Yeah, I don't. I had that somewhere. I don't know if I still have it. Yeah, there we go. Um, I heard somebody really, really low there. Okay, uh, Eagle Thir- thirteen plays. Eagle says thirteen plays. Yeah, so not a lot, not a large sample size to go by. Yeah, which is why his grade, you know, his he graded out a little higher, probably. Hopefully, we see a lot of him. Year, hopefully, we see a lot of him this weekend uh, with the the game versus Big Nice. Uh, uh, one more question. We'll get in right here uh, from Colby. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, does this, does the success of Georgia? And now Florida State, Tennessee, accelerate the clock and or hot seat on Napier given their success thus far. Do we continue to just keep our head and trust that Napier eventually figures this thing out? It does. I think if, any, if anything, it gives them more excuses. I, th- I, I would think say it- no based on the schedule that he plays this year, next year, and it's going to be all SEC. I mean, they're all going to have it, though, too. But, I mean, like, it, it, and some coaches were set up better than he was when he before he got here. So it's going to take him longer just because of that because Dan Mullen didn't do him any favors whatsoever to begin with. But I was going to say, do you do see that some of the guys that got on the field uh, Thursday were some of the Napier guys that he had recruited, and they played pretty well? Yeah, and that may lend itself to the second part of the question here is, you know, do we just let Napier eventually figure this thing out? Look, I I think with the Georgia, Florida State, Tennessee angle, a lot of that's going to come from the fan base. Um, Not, you know, not wanting to see your rivals uh, make, you know, especially when you're struggling, those guys winning a whole lot. And that will make the the noise in the system just a little bit louder, I think, for at least from the fan base. But this is all going to come back to, you know, can the noise in the fan base, hopefully it won't get to this point, but if it does, does it get loud enough where the administration uh, has to take uh, notice? Um, you know, how much of the fan base uh, do they take into account when those teams are winning and, and, and Florida is struggling? Uh, part of that is probably going to have to go above Scott Strickland because – He's going to have all the patience in the world. We've had this conversation before. He's tied to Billy Napier, in my opinion. Um, now, whether above him they see it the same way, I have no idea. Uh, but I don't think it makes a lot of sense he gets a chance to hire a third football coach. 
Uh, so there's going to be some patience, I think. And don't get me wrong, I think we should have patience right, right now. I'm not screaming at all for Billy Napier to be let go, fired, hot seat talk, anything uh, along that. But as far as Scott Strickland goes, there's going to be a little more patience. And uh, I don't think the talk's necessarily going to come from him uh, because his, his job is tied to this, in my opinion. Yeah, I hate the argument from all the Florida State fans. It's like Mike Norvell started out worse than Willie Taggart. And it's like he made enormous mistakes his first couple of years, COVID year or not. And uh, and like he he doesn't play the cut, you know. I know, I know this has been been repeated to to beat the dead horse, but it's like he doesn't he doesn't play a hard schedule. And it's like Jordan Travis has been there like ten years, and it's like I I could go on and on and on, you know, with with Florida State. And it's like they <clears throat> excuse me they 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 don't have it as as hard. It's like they basically built built an entire team off the transfer portal. It's like because Mike hasn't recruited the entire time he's been there except this year, and it's like. Billy's trying to build this, you know, it's basically tore down the whole house and trying to build, build, you know, just, you know, block by block. And, and it's like, yeah, we're getting impatient with it. Cause it's like, there's a lot of guys in the transfer portal we could have had that could have helped this team there. I, I guarantee if Billy would have pressed hard enough, we could have landed him over Mike Norvell. I mean, that's the thing. Na- Napier's process that he chose to go with, it is going to take longer. That's just the natural part about it. Now, did he make the right choice? That's where, that that that's where this thing, you know, that's what we have to wait on. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, it is going to take a while because of the path he chose. Will that path work out? You know, just because McElwain and Mullen had immediate success and then flamed out, that doesn't automatically mean a slow build, slow approach is going to work. Now, I think it's worth trying. It's worth trying. It's different, and that's not to say everything Billy Napier has done so far has been perfect, uh, but he is doing it. His way and his way is going to take time. We're going to have to wait to see if that takes time. And you compare it to FSU, you compare it to, you know, what they were able to do in the ACC. You know, when you construct a team like that in the ACC, I mean, you only have to pass Clemson. That's it. That's the only program that recruits better than you at at least the high school level. And you start throwing in successful portal recruiting, you know, you don't. You don't have that many teams to pass uh, when, it, when it's all said and done. Yet they, they've struggled against the uh, other teams in the ACC. Uh, but now I think, you know, when you get it going the right way, all, the only team you have to worry about is Clemson. In the SEC, if Florida gets things going the right way, they still have to worry about Alabama right. and Georgia and LSU and Tennessee right. and Texas A&M and the way they recruit. Uh, so it's, it, it is a little harder. Uh, and I, th- I don't think uh, – you know, the way Billy Napier is choosing to build it lends itself to pass those teams at a, at, at a fast rate. I, I think what will really help him out and kind of quicken up the process, but he has to hit on the portal this year, and he has to hit all the big names and players and keep this recruiting class the way that it is. And I think that will help speed it up just a little bit. So you going to evaluate fast enough for that? <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about learn and adapt, and I think that's going to have to be part of it as well. Um, is you know you can't lose out on players. I, I just never got how he needs to see tape when there's yeah. already tape of them if they're in the portal, <laughs> and and unless I guess they have no college experience and they just entered the portal and still got four years. But other than that, I just I, I don't get anything else. 
The one that's even worse is where Hunter's staff is doing. I thought that was their job. Yeah. Yeah, we're that's also, the other problem is he's hired all this staff to do all these things, and it seems like nothing really is getting done. That that's the that's the other issue. Yeah, I do Although think, like, and hey, I do think some of that's overboard. Like, I don't think that's every single person they want in the portal they're asking to do that. You know, the one that pisses me off is <laughs> we're going to wait until after a window because we're afraid if we bring in a kid. One of the kids on our roster is going to get upset and butt hurt and transfer out. Like, gone. Be yeah. gone. Bye. Yeah. That, <laughs> I will agree with you there. I do not like that approach whatsoever. If you think you need that player, there's a reason you think you need that player. Who cares if it pushes out another player? Dave, I want to go back to something you said at the beginning of your response to this question. Yeah. That has to say whether Strickland's going to be able to pick the next person. And I know that if you've read my post, you know I've been on the soapbox for a while. But I don't think Strickland has any pressure because I don't think the guy that has the ability to fire him, Ben Sass, is doing anything. In fact, there was a Tampa Bay Trib article that I posted yeah. last week that said he has done nothing since he's been at the University of Florida. I think it was a polit- – I don't want to go into politics here, but he was a little political appointment and probably told – you won't have any responsibilities. And that's pretty much what we've shown. I mean, now, if anything's going to happen in Napier, it's going to happen years down the road. So what's happening now is irrelevant to what will happen then. But if this continues, who's overseeing Strickland? That I cannot answer. And that's where I said... If anything's going to happen because of what George is doing and FSU is doing, it's going to have to come from the fan base uh, and start showing it. You know, I guess with the wallets, start showing it with. Yeah, the big money boosters yeah. are going to have to do so. We're there. What's his name? Heavener, who's on actually the uh, board of governors or board of trustees for the University of Florida, is going to have to come down and talk to. He's uh, going to have to talk to the governor and say, "Listen, enough is enough." Hopefully we don't get well, to that we point. Hopefully we don't Georgia get to that. FSU this year. The fan bases are definitely going to be turned up. <laughs> They're going to be upset. Yeah, I hope. I hope we're not the having conversations. Yeah. I hope we're not having like those conversations. Um, yeah, you know, really. I, I hope we're talking about Billy Napier being head coach 10, 15 years from now. <laughs> I, I hope we look back on you know on uh, the week after Utah in twenty twenty three and be like, hey, remember that time we had those crazy conversations. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope that's what happens with all the national championships under his belt yeah right right generally teams make the, the best improvements from week one to week two so <laughs> the most overused, I guarantee you the that'll most, happen the most overused <laughs> phrase in college in, in football exactly yeah. exactly yeah. The you, old you, you know we're going to hear it you know we're going to hear it I just hope like Utah winds up being like one of the top four teams in the playoffs, and we don't feel so bad for losing to them like in week six or so. <laughs> I mean, they're going to they're well, be in the Pac-12 conversation, um, you know, late in the season. Um, whether they're top four good, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, you know, if they're top ten good, that's I mean, that's still a pretty good loss in my opinion. Um, but if they beat USC, there's an argument that they'll go undefeated. Because Baylor was terrible last week. Yeah, yeah. They should win that game too. I mean, Oregon's going to be, you know, an issue. Washington uh, going to be an issue. Um, I like the Pac-12. 
actually. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fun watch to me. I think they are competitive. If Colorado beats USC. they go? 13-0 last week? And don't get me wrong. Most of those were Patsy Cupcakes, but. Technically, it's the Pac-3 now. Or will be. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean. But yeah, I mean, there's I, no I shame in losing the Utah on the there's, road. There's, I mean, there's, it, there's they're, they're a good team. I think it's more of the way we lost. You know, we is. weren't really in the game, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, they got I mean, Baylor. They got Baylor this week. Baylor lost last week to Texas, what, Southern? Texas State? Um, and then I think they lost for quarterback as well. Uh, so, you know, they have to heavily, heavily bounce back. But then, I mean, it's not going to be easy. They got Weber State, does Utah. Then they got UCLA, Oregon State, back-to-back. That's not going to be easy back-to-back stretch. Then they got USC and Oregon, back-to-back. <laughs> and then Washington. So, and then Colorado to, there you go. Their season finale is Colorado. So, will undoubtedly be undefeated at that time. <laughs> Colorado is ranked number 22. Unbelievable. Hey, that kid, Travis Hunter, he's the real deal. He is. He is a fun yeah. watch. That's the most Percy-like guy I've seen in a long time. <laughs> Charles Woodson-like. I mean, the kid is, he can do it. He is a fun watch. I do want to know how many, know how, how, how many games he plays like that. I mean, can he play that many snaps? Just game thank God he didn't out. go to yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember, but that Weaver kid from Colorado was giving Florida headaches in 2021 when we played USF. That is where he's at now, ain't it? That is, yep. Jimmy Horn, too. I'm telling you, that's the plan. What these guys do, you don't go to the big colleges looking for portal guys. Go to the little colleges, get their stud. That's who you bring in. Colorado, I'm sure. I'm sure. Colorado does have Oregon and USC back to back. That's a little tough one in a couple of weeks. Um, Oregon State. So. I tell you, I watched USC play. I was, but I'm never impressed with a team that doesn't have any defense. And a lot of those Pac 12 teams just don't have much of a defense. That's what I think what sets Utah apart. I think they play more defense in that league than the Big 12. It's a low bar. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> I'll admit. The sad, the sad thing is, Dave, I don't know if you saw, Utah's only favored by, I think, like six, maybe seven over Baylor. And Ooh. Baylor's just lost to a really bad team. But yeah. I think part of it is Vegas. I think Vegas sees that Aranda basically got to see exactly everything Austin Armstrong did because they have the same philosophy. Mm. And you can just take what works there and, you know, right on it. Can't, you can't let this Bryson Bard scoop her be unprotected. That's the biggest. That's the biggest mistake we made. Yeah, Baylor quarterback Blake Shapin. He is out two to three weeks of MCL injury. He will miss the game versus Utah. So that would be interesting to see what Baylor's defense does. That's that's a good point of that same kind of coaching tree 
uh, Ron Roberts there and how it filters down and what Baylor does to Utah this week. Does anyone have any thoughts on Princely's performance against Utah and why? Yeah, I think I'm more disappointed about him being on Twitter afterwards. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't think his play was terrible. Um, now the one where he's kind of lollygagging, jack, jogging that that is terrible. Um, but he was uh, he, he was up and down. He was not as consistent as, as I would have liked to see him play. Very brief talk clock. He wasn't going to be a 10, 12 sack guy anyway. No, 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 no. He was not. No. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I just oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, but he wanted to set himself up for the season as a leader. Mm-hmm. Follow me. And he did not play like that. And that's what I think a lot of people were disappointed in. It was because, like I said earlier about Napier, you got to follow through. You can't set up something and then just not show up. And I, I think that's what why so many people were disappointed with him. I'm sorry to have interrupted, by the way. No, you're good. I honestly don't think he's that kind of guy. Like he's he was thrust into that leadership position, but I don't think that's who he is naturally. Like Sap may be a leader, yeah. Cam Jackson may be a leader, but I don't think Princely is a leader by nature. He's probably he's a good guy, but I don't think he's a leader by nature. There was one hundred percent right. There was one play. I don't know if this is the one you guys are mad at him for. That I really didn't understand why people were getting on him because. They're saying like he just let the quarterback go, but he was the conflict defender and yes, the tight end he had to stay with. And like, I felt like people were just going after him. If that's the one you're talking about, you know, I think it might have been that play, but later on in the play when the quarterback had maybe run by him. Now, I don't know if he thought, you know, he knew he probably couldn't catch the quarterback at that point. Yeah, that guy's a track star. But yeah, you're right. That now him, yeah. I, now the actual play itself, Ocho, I completely agree with you. Um, he was the conflict guy. He was, and he, you know, if he went towards Nate Johnson, then it was a little pop pass for big yardage. And if he did what he did, then Johnson's running for <laughs> a big game. I mean, the entire DL didn't really play spectacular. You know, we didn't have any sacks. We didn't put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So you can't put it all on Princely. Yeah, I, I went back and I really looked at the defensive line mm-hmm. yesterday. Um, and I, of course, I think we were all, we all saw it. We were all impressed with the young guys um, there. Um, Pyburn got pushed around like crazy. I was really surprised to see that um, as much as I did. Now, I don't think he's going to be somebody you're asked to play in against run heavy offenses anyway. He's, just, I, he's, He's a pass rush guy to me and uh, might be about it. Um, and I think he can have some value there. Uh, but I don't think he he is certainly not an every down player. And I, that's what I saw versus Utah. Um, now, I was excited to see what he could do in, in, you know, in, in passing situations. And hopefully that comes about this year. Um, but, you know, uh, Jackson you know, didn't really see much from him after, you know, so much we heard about there. Um but what got me out of that is uh, as I'm sitting there looking up front on the defenses, and I was going to go. What I really liked about it is I, I'm I was a big fan of how they used Jordan Castell, uh, the the true freshman safety, and how much, especially early in the game, he was up close to the line of scrimmage. He was involved in the action, chasing down plays later on in the game as well. I mean, 
the way they used him, the way they moved him around, and I know Armstrong likes to use the, the, the single high a lot. And, you know, he was, I think, a benefactor of being able to come down and play closer to the line of scrimmage. And I thought he'd be ready for it as a true freshman. Yeah, we my, also got to my... remember how good of a game Hill played. Hill yeah. in the nickel is a very, very good spot for him. Not only that, like, we, we notice that position so much when it doesn't play well. And but we ignore it when right, that plays. Right. Richard, like, going to your point, that is the position where I think when you do well, um, you may, maybe if you're not getting the turnovers, you don't notice it as much. And I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because, yeah, I mean, not not talking about him is a good thing in a way because it, 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 the bad thing didn't happen, but maybe we should actually laud him for the performance there. The, the recognition skills of him and Sap are what stuck out the most to me when I went back and rewatched the game. Just them being able to identify what was going on and getting there quick. I think that's a lot to build on there. Yeah, like- yeah, I think overall our defense played you know pretty good. I mean, I, 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 I'm not going to really critique our defense performance on 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 Thursday night in Utah. Other than I really the first play. That. I mean, overall we 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 shut down the running game. I mean. We did what we had to do. I mean, we our defense did not cost us this game. Our defense played well enough to win the game. Yeah, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They stopped yeah. a running team from running the ball all over them. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, really we, we, we did the down. first play, and after that, it was we pretty much shut them down. Other than, other than yeah, they, they, right. they, they, they gave us fits when they put in that that third string quarterback, the one that could run. I mean, they had they put together that one drive, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, heck, you can't you're not going to shut out good teams. I mean, that's just. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I just I, think honestly, I wonder if they score on that first play if Castell's in the game. Yeah, I don't think they do. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think I honestly think the defense couldn't get pressure because Utah's offense, when they throw the ball, is kind of set up to just get it out of there. That is part of it. They 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 by nature don't give up a lot of sacks. They they haven't for a couple yeah, of seasons now. Um, with that too, and and in the rewatch, it's not like they're. I mean, there were plays. I know we want to see the sacks, and I'd rather see the sacks too, but there were plays that were just as good as sacks. I mean, there there, there was a guy in a quarterback's face, he, you know, the fault, pass would fall incomplete, or he had to rush to pass, and he just didn't get to the receiver. I mean, there were plays as, you know, quote-unquote, I'll put you know the air quotes up, just as good as sacks. Don't get me wrong, I want to see more sacks and, and, and finish the play, but there were a lot of effective pressures in that game. And three for 13 on third down. Amen. You're right. <laughs> yeah, you. but they got that third and long on that first drive, the second <laughs> drive they had, and I was like, oh, my God, here we go again. <laughs> I said it was going to happen. I did say the very first one was going to happen. Uh, but I just uh, hate there was three <laughs> defenders around this guy, and he just found, like, the perfect little zone between them. Oh, yeah, and, that play. Yep, yep. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. even he threw the ball, and I'm like, "Oh my god, a good thing's about to happen." And even just, even the opening play, the worst thing could have happened. I mean, you had two guys in there, so almost. What is Moten neither, doing on that yeah, play? Well, I, Miguel got beat, and he picked yeah. the worst. That wasn't Miguel. Miguel was covering that tight. It was covering Vele. Yeah, down yeah. he was down in the slot covering Vele, and Vele beat him like <laughs> terribly. And Moten just picked the worst person to cover. It was going to be a touchdown either way. Wait, no, right. there were, no, I, was actually, I was actually going to go to that point. I'm not sure now. I think Jackson. Uh, I, I mean, I think. Uh, I think I Marshall don't. could have maybe made the tackle right after the catch if Moten didn't take him out. Moten took him out. Yeah, he couldn't Moten make the tackle. 
wipe him out. Like I just don't understand what he's doing in that play. Like that looked like it was supposed to he be was, a surefire pick or at a minimum for the ball. Okay. Long game. He wasn't decisive on which or yeah. who he was going to cover. If he'd have just picked exactly. somebody that play probably it, yeah. it, it may not have gone exactly how it went. He just wasn't decisive. Right. Is anybody like else annoyed by the fact one on one and Marshall had a chance to make the tackle? Yeah. Like he could have had a perfect Swamp Kings like <laughs> moment. I didn't want the ball. I wanted to put fear into him. Like that moment was right there for him. Well the thing is too that the ball hung so long up in the air, I think he thought he could make a play on it. And, and oh, then he ends God. up taking out Marshall, and you know, then it was seventy yard touchdown. So, I just really want to know why Castell was the starter on the Jeff Tart and Moten's in. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, like, that's just like so boggling to me. Like, I bet you it doesn't happen this week. And who is that on? Right? Who, who, who is that call on? Is that a a Raymond thing? Probably. Armstrong, like Napier, like who made that call? Yeah, that that I, that could not. I mean, the DC I makes know. the call, and then you know, yeah. it's up to the players to know their coverage in that call. You know, yeah, if you go if you go back and watch it, it, it started on Miguel. Miguel put Moten in conflict by not covering his man. Correct. Yeah, but exactly if Moten's right. if Moten's designation is to not let anybody buy him, he failed miserably, regardless of what Miguel did. But but you if you look first of all who was that on it was on Utah because it was a great play if you watch the replay there were two guys open yeah he picked that deep, the deepest guy but there was another guy who was short when I say short he was only thirty yards down the field <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was I mean they could have gone both ways but he picked that guy and he picked probably the 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 least likely of the two yeah he picked so the hard Honestly, honestly, the most disappointing part to me was the guy had all day to throw. All day. And then, yeah. Andy threw it. We didn't send any pressure on that play, did we? We only we only put. No, uh, I mean, I don't think we blitzed that, that play. I don't really remember. But um, we brought, we brought a corner. Oh, we did. Okay. Well, I think sure. it was Jaden Hill. I want to say, or it might have been Perkins. I I, I, I think that I think that's why Miguel was covering the slot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah, I haven't watched the film, but um, we, we did try to bring a corner. I mean, the reason I'm upset is, you know, you want a veteran like Moten to erase the mistake by Miguel, not to back up. No, like, what are, he's, he's not a veteran. He I mean, lost definitely. out to a true freshman at Michigan. He's not some guy who is some veteran proven player. Like, I don't well, know why. He's, he's played way more games than anybody else. In our day. Yeah, he's played so. a lot of football the last two yeah. years. Yeah, and got passed up. By a freshman, yeah, but he still, play, but he still played like, a lot of football. Yeah, he played a lot of snaps. Yeah, you could be a veteran and lose your job. I mean, I don't; those aren't the same thing. Side note: Did Kamari play on Thursday? Five yeah. snaps, I think. Let me look. By the what way, if up, you watch with him? either either Varnador or uh, De Virgilio, they both break down that first play. And they are both all over it. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Just it was not well played. Mari had seven snaps. Jadarius Perkin had six. Jakeem Jackson had six. Kelby Collins had eight. Um, yeah, the first play, Jaden Hill was sent on a nickel blitz. Why is that our first play call on Oh, well, there we go. We want to be aggressive. Well, 
trying to be aggressive in it. Hit us in the butt. Castell played 43 snaps, so that's that's promising. Yeah, I really like He's your starting safety from here on out, I bet. Oh, he's got to be. Him and Miguel, yeah. they're your starters. Got to be. Is Shamar like a, a leadership type guy? Because I'm yes, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, he is. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> kind of stood out to me, like, during the game, rewatching it, even like the second and third time. It's just like that guy flies all yeah. over the field. That's what I noticed. Him and him and Castell together. That was what I picked up the most. Was just the way. And they, Scooby the played pretty fly. well too. I, he I did. Can't, like, he did. Yeah, Scooby. All, I mean, the backers play, played pretty well. That's why they didn't give up too many yards running the ball. And you're right. Yeah, about, and you're right about that too, because the the, the line didn't last, play. As, too. Yeah, the line didn't play as good. Um, they did funnel some stuff to the backers. I think that's that helped. Um, there and that's, you know that's their job. Uh, a lot of mm-hmm. times as well. So, do we know what? Uh, do we know what Burke's injury is? I don't. As to, you know, him on the depth chart right there is the first I have heard of it. So. Back to the linebackers. Uh, do whatever it takes to keep Bateman on staff for as long as possible. <laughs> because that's been one of our most impressive groups, even last year, going back to last year. I mean, just look what he did to Bernie. Um, right. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, look, at, look at the class he's bringing in. I mean, our linebackers are legit. I mean, even if you look at Manny Nunnery, right? Nunnery played really well, too. And we thought he was just going to be some special teams guy yep. for the most yeah, part. I mean, and I mean, I mean I, he, I he's thought, our best coach on, on, on defense right now. I mean, I, I'd say Bateman's probably the best defense coach on coach on staff. I mean, if, and if think about it. We, we think about the names we're saying right now. They're young guys, and they played a lot of them. I mean, I know Napier spoke on it today for the SEC teleconference, but first game versus Utah, man, there are. I mean, they they put a lot of defenders. They put a lot of defenders out there. They rotated a lot. Yeah. Hey, I know we feel all you know fire in the special teams, but punt coverage and kickoff coverage was incredible. They did a really good job of both of those aspects. Good point. Good point. As that was, that yeah, was, yeah, yeah, right. uh, coverage was, was, was better. Was, I want to see Bryce Thornton and Dijon get on the field this week. Yeah, yeah. Some more Jakeem. I want to see more Jaden Robinson. And what what is going on with Wingo? Is he just not good? Oh, he was on the field. He was. He was yeah, he played a lot. Yeah, he played a lot. He played a lot. He's, just, he's just not one of the speedier on linebackers. He's oh for sure. He's big. I mean, he's, he's he just, was a, he he's was an edge in high school. So that's, yeah, he's my, yeah, he might exactly. be out of position. He was one of those screeners. Yeah. I mean, should we just move him back on the line then? I wondered well, that. I think year, I think the it? way they built him, I'm not sure. I mean, is he a better Jack than Princely? Like, I mean, I think he's one of those guys who was an edge in high school. Because I mean, he, he only played. Wingo only played just, eleven snaps. Yeah, that's what I said. Um, he may have been an edge in high school and is not an edge in college, but he's not a linebacker either. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely not. I mean, he's. I'm going through the plays now. The first play I see him on is the first Where he, third down for Utah. Their second drive, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, right. It's the first. The second drive is the okay. first third down. They brought, they brought him he in. Got a, he, got a, he got away with the holding call on that. They, Pretty good coverage on it. They used him a lot. Now, I remember this yesterday. They used him a lot as the – they bring him up close to the line of scrimmage, make him look like he was blitzing, but he'd fall back. He was part of the creeper, simulated pressure, all that stuff, type of stuff, you know. Hey, I'll tell you what, man. Cersei and Collins, those two, 
they're going to be a problem. I agree. Yeah, well, I will say that uh, Jamarcus Weston made a lot of tackles on special teams. He like did. He was, yep. he was he played, played really well on special teams. Oh, all right, guys. Let's hey. go score 60 next week or on Saturday. Yeah, that's what, yeah, yeah. We'll call it there, but hey, that's a good way to, that's a good way to end it. Let's go score 60, give up none. <laughs> and, the problem uh, with that is like it doesn't change anything. No, it doesn't. It, you're right. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. I mean, I'll, we uh, what, we, what we want, we should. You're right. What we, the, the thing you take out of this game is if you play bad. Unfortunately, that's the only thing you can take away yeah. from it. Now, you could go win. You could, the thing, Florida can go win this game 40 to nothing, 50 to nothing, and still have some false starts and still um, do some of the things you don't necessarily want to see. But given the opponent, all right, you can make up for, all right, here's a penalty on, you know, here's a holding penalty. It's now first and 20. Well, against this team, you probably can make that up. You know, it's not going to be that hard to make it up. So I think even with like, if penalties mount up, you probably can overcome them. You know, it's now it's just going to be you don't want to see a high number. You don't want to see the third and ones and the fourth and short and then the false start or the can't line up at receiver. You know, it, 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 it's those things that I think we just want to see this week. We want to see clean football. We know what clean football looks like. That's that, that's all we really want to see. If Florida plays clean football, they're you know they're probably going to easily win this game anyway, but if they play clean football, it's, it's never going to be in doubt. I would just like to have the ability to sit the starters for the yes. whole second half. Yeah. See all guys and <laughs> yeah. Max Brown and Leon and all these guys do snaps and you know just I completely give them. I want to see Mac, I want to see Max Brown in a you know in a game setting and let him have yeah. a few drives and. What's up, Bull? And then this would be the this would be it. Uh, right he's the backup. He's number two. He's <laughs> this is, two. This is the. As long this as we don't have Jack Miller, I'll be happy. This is only tangential, but David, we're not going to talk about the uh, reigning Big 12 offensive and newcomer of the week. Number four rated quarterback in the country. Emory Jones. That was one Emory Jones. What I will say is good for him. Uh, I hope I, Xavier Henderson. Yeah, I hope they go have a lot of success. Honestly, I have nothing against those guys. I hope they, I hope they go light it up at Cincinnati. Yes, I wonder what Dan Mullen thinks <laughs> that he's I good know. enough to coach at Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, with with Dan. Thanks, Dave. Hey, I mean, I, I guess the only thing that we can bring up is you know we're talking about that. Um, you know, Emory did go through. What a little cup of coffee! I mean, did you guys watch the Colorado Spring? game? Avery Helm looked really Ooh, bad. Yeah, that was not good. Oh, so bad. That was not good. But he wasn't the only DB that did not look good either. So, yeah, this was fun. Um, I may try and do this with the questions, and it gets us some good talking points there. Thanks to the uh, members who sent the questions in. Uh, but yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun here. And, um, hopefully, um, we'll, uh, be keeping it busy right here on the discord and, um, have a lot of good to talk about on Saturday. All right. Thanks, Dave. See you thanks, guys. Dave. Go Gators. Go Gators.